Hello everybody, it is Michael back with another episode of the Under Pressure Podcast. I appreciate you guys' support on the show a ton. We got a lot to talk about. Preseason basketball is here. It's been so much fun. Uh, there's been a lot of takeaways I have from it. We got uh, some NFL games to discuss. We got some late. Uh, we got some season previews for the 2021 NBA season. So yeah, let's just get right into another great episode. First thing I want to talk about is how DeMarcus Cousins and John Wall are looking uh, for the Houston Rockets. I've been incredibly impressed by how uh, they've been playing, and I've been incredibly impressed by uh, the shape that both of those guys are in. John Wall is coming off some really, really uh, catastrophic injuries, and it scared me a ton uh, how he was going to come back because he was a player that relied so heavily on his athleticism. Uh, that is definitely worrying to have such bad injuries. But he really has came back, and it seems like not much has happened to him. Like, maybe he's lost a little bit of a step, but he still looks very athletic. Ball handling has been uh, great. He His handle looks super tight. His jump shot still isn't great by any means, and that's still a weakness in his game that I wish he would have improved more in that extra time he had out. But it does look a little bit better. He's been hitting some like tough off-the-dribble mid-ranges, working really well in the pick-and-roll and the pick-and-pop. And I think he's been thriving in Steven Silas's offense. Uh, I love the offense that Steven Silas is running because we're seeing a lot more of a traditional offense. And that's what I expected. It's very similar to what the Dallas Mavericks ran last year we see a lot of high pick and rolls a lot of uh, double screens as well um uh, the play that stands out to me the most when john wall was handling it there was a double screen boogie popped and he had a pop out to boogie hit the three that was just some uh, beautiful stuff right there and demarcus cousins is looking great right now i've been uh, really really impressed with just how how well of shape he's in especially because he's always been on the heavier side and he's lost weight in the past couple years but he's just never been able to be out there with that weight because of his injuries but he really looks uh, pretty slim Uh, he's moving around the court very very well we're seeing him uh, take other guys off the dribble three-point shot is looking really good as well Uh, he had three of his four threes in the first one they didn't look as good in the second game but Uh, For preseason, the more things I take away is just how guys look, how uh, healthy they look. John Wall still had a great game, though. Uh, Only shot 7 of 17, but did score 21 points, 4 assists. DeMarcus Cousins, in pretty limited action, scored 10 points. And I'm just really impressed with what I've seen from those two guys uh, so far. It has came out that even with those performances, James Harden still has no interest with being with the team, which definitely sucks for them. Uh, but it is nice to see how they've been performing. Uh, and it's cool to see those guys back together and playing so well back together. I just love the chemistry. Every time they hit those pick-and-pop threes, it's always so nice. And I think they could make a very solid duo this season. Just praying uh, for good health for them because that's been such a big issue in these guys' careers for the past couple of years. Uh, and I don't want to get too ahead of myself and then they get injured because that would just suck. But I really like what I've seen from them so far. I hope they can keep it up. Uh, I think they're going to be really fun to watch this year with or without James Harden. Uh, Next, I want to talk about LaMelo Ball. I've been very, very impressed by his one performance so far in the NBA preseason. Uh, I just love what I saw from him. Though he did score zero points and people are going to talk about that, how his shot wasn't hitting, he wasn't super aggressive. Uh, But you got to consider, first of all, only played 16 minutes, came off the bench, didn't uh, play much they played a lot of different guys in this game just uh, got a lot of different guys tick 
but I was really impressed by how LaMelo Ball played first uh, with the rebounding. He got super involved on the glass, and these weren't all just open, uncontested rebounds. Some of these were contested with multiple people around him, and you, you're you really seeing that 6-8 frame with uh, him having pretty long arms as well, really paying off. And then when he gets the rebound, the thing I've been most impressed by is how he pushes the pace. He plays with such a high and up-tempo pace that just get his other guys involved so well and get his other guys easy shots. Uh, I love to see that. It's On the fast break, they have a lot of guys that can run the floor on this team. A guy like Miles Bridges is going to love playing with LaMelo Ball, and we already saw that with that beautiful behind-the-back pass, and then uh, Miles Bridges got an easy uh, length of the basket. A guy like P.J. Washington, uh, Cody Zeller, all those guys are just going to run the floor for him, and I think he's going to thrive. We saw a beautiful full-court pass from him. Uh, some of those passes were really, really special, and I mean, he only had four assists with four turnovers, but one of those passes did leave, uh, lead to a foul, which is always great, and I wish they had a stat for that, because I, I think that's very, very uh, important and goes unmentioned, like how uh, good it is for you to just get a pass that leads to a foul because I mean that's basically as good as an assist but uh, anyway he yeah he just played very very well I do want to see the aggressiveness go up for sure uh, and he's he's gonna have these games where his scoring is just not good and his efficiency is gonna be rough this year but I think everybody should have known that coming into the season that his efficiency wasn't gonna be great but he's gonna be pushing the floor he's gonna have some really really exciting plays he's gonna make some beautiful passes uh, and the thing about him that I love so much is just his confidence and his swagger that he plays with. Because Lonzo and him uh, have somewhat similar skill sets with uh, the ability to rebound, uh, push the floor, and be uh, such a great playmaker. But the thing with Lamelo, uh, the thing with Lonzo is his confidence kind of always seems to waver, and it's it's there sometimes and it's not there other times and sometimes he's just really not aggressive enough which has probably been his biggest weakness so far coming into his career everybody talks about the jump shot but a lot of times he's scared to attack the basket he's not getting to the free throw line and that really really hurts his game but i'm confident with the mellow ball that he's not going to be scared of that at all he's had one of the most difficult uh upbringings in his career uh, for any player in this draft and you may be like oh he's been a, he's been super rich since he was at a young age but you got to consider all the adversity this young man went through he had to play in multiple different countries went back to high school was criticized a ton and he's still here and he's playing uh, very good basketball third overall pick in the draft uh, and I'm just super excited to see uh, how he continues to progress, and I'm super excited to watch Hornets basketball this year. That's that's the power of Lamelo Ball that he has me wanting to watch Hornets basketball this year. I think they're going to be a really really fun team, and Lamelo Ball is going to be a ginormous part of that. Loved what I saw from him in his NBA debut. Next, I want to talk about Taylen Horton Tucker, who's been really showing out so far for the Los Angeles Lakers so far in preseason. He was someone that a lot of Lakers fans uh, liked last year, but he really didn't get much tick, only played in, uh, I think, six games and uh, started one of those. Uh, but he has been really impressive so far in the NBA preseason. First game wasn't great. But he was still very, very solid. I mean, 19 points. Didn't shoot it efficiently really at all. Shot only 6 of 17. But I did like to see the aggressive 
on this. Did like to see his ability to get to the free throw line, getting there six times and knocking down all six of those. He used his pretty good size to get rebounds. He's only about 6'4", but he is uh, on the heavier side for that, and that can hurt him in some ways, but it definitely helps him in other ways. And he was super active on the defensive side of the ball, which I absolutely love to see. Four uh, three steals, which was really, really nice. He uh, had a play in their second game where he uh, ripped the ball from Kawhi Leonard. Uh, he's just doing everything you'd want from him out there. And he could be a real hidden weapon for this Los Angeles Lakers team this year as someone who can come off of the bench and be a 3 and D guy who can uh, handle it a little bit. I was pretty impressed by his ability to create his own shot off the dribble. Uh, and yeah, Taylor Horn Tucker, very solid first game, but the second game is where he really showed out in this one, was the star of the night, uh, and he scored over 30 points, he was incredible, a 36, a 33 point game for Taylor Horn Tucker, uh, plus 36, plus minus, shot the ball very, very well, shot 11 of 17 from the field, Four of five from three, seven of nine from the free throw line, got ten rebounds, four assists, four steals, was just really, really good in this one. Uh, he played 41 minutes as well. I love to see how much tech the Lakers are giving him because uh, this is his opportunity to prove himself and prove why he should be a big part of this rotation. And I really do think he is going to be this year. Uh, his three-point shot is something that looks pretty nice. Got a nice form, shot it very well in this game. Like I said, I was very impressed by his ability to create his own shot off the dribble. He had some moments where he was handling it pretty well. Doesn't have like the greatest handle by any means, but it's very solid and uh, can uh, be passable, uh, very active on the glass yet again, which I always love to see, uh, especially as a guard, because then it helps you where you can push the pace. Uh, and it was active yet again on the defense side of the ball. Got those four steals. The highlight one was where he stole it from Kawhi Leonard. Hit some like step back threes. He was doing absolutely everything out there for the Los Angeles Lakers. And as a Laker fan, you just got to be so, so happy because your team's already so good. You made great additions. And this is just like another addition, even though he was already on the roster last year, because he can play legitimate minutes for this Los Angeles Lakers uh, team this year. And uh, it's going to be another addition to an already great team. And honestly, I just don't see anybody being able to stop the Los Angeles Lakers uh, with a LeBron and AD duo with uh, some pretty solid role players around them, and then with uh, Taylor Horn Tucker emerging uh, as a player who can do a lot of different things, especially on offense. Um, it's just a great secret weapon for the Los Angeles Lakers, uh, and I've been really, really impressed by Taylor Horn Tucker so far. He's been one of the standouts of preseason for sure. Next, I want to talk about the Dallas Mavericks. On what they've been building, they've been building something super special. I'm really excited for my season preview because I'm really high on them. Uh, and I loved what I've, I've seen in their limited preseason action so far. They only played one game, uh, but I was really, really impressed by it. Luka Doncic definitely wasn't great in this one. And he definitely needs to lose some weight. That's something that kind I kind of always expect from Luka. Uh, is where he comes into training camp a little bit overweight. It's not like anything super bad. It's not like Jokic concerning. Uh, but he definitely could uh, use to shed off a few pounds because he just didn't look as fast out there, but still was uh, doing his thing. Started off very slow, but he was hitting the three ball well, which you always love to see because that's the, uh, the, basically the biggest hole on his on the offense side of the ball is that his three-point shot is pretty inconsistent. But other than that, got his teammates involved, only played about uh, 16 minutes, 
but I did like what I saw from him in those minutes. But what I was most impressed by was the rookies on this team. Now, if you look at their stats, it's like they none of them did anything crazy by any means. Josh Green struggled with a shot, but I was really impressed with him on defense. Uh, and if he can hit a shot, I think he's going to be a great 3 and D guy for them. And I think he's going to be one of those guys that is going to love playing with Luka Doncic so much because he's going to hit him on cuts, hit him. Uh, in the corner for three and he's already such a good defender that he's gonna get uh, minutes pretty immediately for this team Tyrell Terry only hit one of his uh, six shots one of his three threes but I, I I like Tyrell Terry a ton as a prospect I'm shocked that he slipped to the second round to the Dallas Mavericks but I think that was one of the best picks of the entire 2020 NBA draft because he's a guard who can really handle the ball, who can shoot it very, very well, and who competes on the defensive side of the ball. He's a really hard worker, uh, gained a lot of muscle before the draft, uh, gained uh, two inches as well. He um, is someone who I like a ton, and I just think that pick was amazing. And then you got my boy, Nate Hinton. If you watched any of my draft content, I am the biggest Nate Hinton fan on the planet no one else can compare to me. I love Nate Hinton's game so much. He was one of my favorite prospects in the entire 2020 NBA draft. He's probably top five favorite prospect in the 2020 draft. I think it's a crime that he went undrafted, but he was excellent for the Dallas Mavericks in this one. Shot three of six on the field, shot one of two from three, uh, got to the free throw line as well, got a really, really nice and one. I love to see that over like three people. That was an excellent finish from him. And then his rebounding, which is definitely the best part of his game. He is just such a hard worker and a player who plays with such great aggression and passion to his game. Got eight rebounds of this one, three offensive uh, five defensive rebounds and these are not like open rebounds at all he gets contested rebounds over guys who are taller than him because he just puts in more effort uh, and is puts a lot of pride into being a very good rebounder also got four assists as well was playing some very good defense which is something i'm super confident in and i just think he's going to be a great three and d player uh for this mavericks team i think he's going to be like the lou door of this draft an undrafted guy who's never going to be crazy on the offense side of the ball but still has enough talent there and then is really good as a defender and it's just someone that this fan base is going to fall in love with it was so funny to me on twitter because i was tweeting about uh, Nate Hinton a lot because I love his game and uh, I saw so many other Mavericks fans tweeting about him and being so happy that he was on their team and I think that makes a lot of sense because Nate Hinton is going to be a really really nice player for them uh, I think he's probably going to get a lot of G League action this year but I think uh, in time he could be a legitimate really good rotation player for this team love what I saw from Nate Hinton in his preseason debut and then Tyler Bay Tyler Bay played a pretty solid game as well uh, shot two of five, only got four points, but uh, did get two blocks. And I'm so confident in him being one of the better wing defenders in this entire draft. He reminds me of a little bit of like a Jeremy Grant type of player. Uh, four, and can play some three as well, who's uh, pretty versatile on the defense side of the ball, can block shots, but can also guard the perimeter very well. Uh, it's basically just can a shot transfer, which is something I'm a little bit worried about because he did shoot a good percentage in college, but it was on very limited attempts. 
But I still love that pick for them, especially in the second round. It makes complete sense to take a guy like that. And I think he could be another future guy who gets good minutes for this Mavericks team. And then Kristaps Porzingis didn't even play this game. And I feel like people forget, just because Kristaps is injured a lot, which is something that uh, scares me a ton, is his injury uh, history and his health as a whole. But Kristaps Porzingis is a special, special player. Uh, he's a true unicorn in the NBA. A guy who is 7-3, who can uh, hit threes, who can block shots, who can uh, take big men off the dribble, especially if they cl- uh, close out too hard. And he was really, really special in the bubble before he got injured. He was averaging like 30-10. and 10. And if he's there, they win that Clippers series, in my mind. They 100% win that Clippers series. Uh, and I'm so excited to see him back. And then they can make... Uh, moves to get a max contract spot in the 2021 NBA offseason, which is just crazy because this core is already so good. Uh, they have so many nice rookies that are coming in, and they could get another star-level player in the offseason. They could go after a guy like Giannis, and honestly, I think Dallas would be the best landing spot for Giannis, but they could also go smaller, go a guy like Victor Oladipo. Uh, if Giannis does go somewhere else, they could go after a guy like Drew Holiday. This Mavericks uh, team just has easily one of the brightest futures in the NBA, uh, and I love what I saw from them in uh, the preseason action so far. They uh, really, really impressed me. I love what I saw from my boy Nate Hinton on uh, the other rookies on this team. Next, I want to talk about Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving being back. This was one of the most anticipated things for me in the preseason was just to see Kevin Durant touch a basketball again because it's been so long since we've seen Kevin Durant play. Uh, and I was really, really impressed by how he played out there. Uh, he just looked so good, and it didn't look like he was coming off an Achilles injury. Uh, he was moving very, very well out there, scored 15 points, didn't even shoot it crazy efficiently. Uh, shot 5 of 12, missed both of the threes. But especially for preseason, I more just look at like how the players are moving, uh, if they look super rusty, and he didn't buy it look super rusty by any means he was doing all the kevin durant stuff like his first bucket uh defender closed out too hard pump fake drive to the basket on an easy dunk he was hitting some tough mid-ranges which i mean is kevin durant's specialty he can shoot over literally anyone in the league with absolute just ease uh and he didn't even look bad on the defensive side of the ball either which was the thing i was by far most worried about with him is that i was pretty confident he'd be at least most of the offensive player that he was before but people forget he was a really good defender in golden state like he had a year where he was in defensive player of the year uh contention and people just act like kevin durant isn't a good defender so i was really worried that was going to take a big step back and it didn't look like it did now you got to consider this is only one game and this is only preseason but i just still love the signs that i saw from kevin durant and then kyrie irving came back and was excellent in this one scored 18 points in only 17 minutes and i mean kyrie irving's one of the most talented offensive players this league has ever seen like no matter what you think about kyrie irving as a person or his leadership or anything like that you have to recognize that he's one of the most talented players we've seen come into the league in a long long time on i i love what i saw from him in this one he was uh handling the ball like crazy like he always does just 
his handle is so mesmerizing to watch. It's one of the most beautiful things in all of basketball. And he can shoot it so well off the dribble, contested, step backs. Like he can, he has the full offensive package. He's one of the best finishers in the league who can finish uh, like crazy with both hands, can shoot the mid range, works well in the pick and roll. Basically, everything else in defense, he's almost had mastered at this point. And it was just really exciting to see. Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving back on the floor because uh, it's been a minute especially for Kevin Durant it's been over two years since we've seen him play which is crazy uh, it was like 550 days or something since the last time we saw Kevin Durant and I'm really excited to watch the Brooklyn Nets this season because no matter how good you think they're going to be and I have a lot of questions about this team um Though I liked what I saw from Kyrie and Kevin Durant a ton, I'm still wondering uh, if they're going to be able to stay healthy because Kyrie's consistently dealt with injuries, and Kevin Durant is probably just going to uh, have more of an injury risk uh, every year now because he's getting older and he's had some pretty catastrophic uh, catastrophic injuries but no matter what as long as those two guys are on the floor this team is going to be fun as hell to watch because it was so fun to watch them in preseason especially when Kyrie and KD were just going back and forth we saw a good amount of isos from them but we also saw a fluent offense where they were running pick and rolls uh, and then uh, we saw Kevin Durant bring the ball up a little bit I expect them to be used in a ton of different roles and I mean Steve Nash has already said that he wants to play him at basically all five positions which I like a ton. Also like what I saw from Landry Shaman in this one. He scored 13, hit three of his five threes. Like, I just uh, really enjoyed what I saw from the Nets in this one. They weren't missing some of their guys, so I'm interested to see how the rotation uh, is affected with a uh, guy like Karis LeVert back in there because he's someone who I question the most about his fit with this roster. But other than that, I mean, I really like what I saw from the Brooklyn Nets in this one. I'm super excited to see them play some more games and continue to prove themselves. Uh, but yeah, it was a really, really good uh, uh, debut for Kevin Durant and a good performance from Kyrie Irving. Next, I want to talk about uh, another guy in this uh, Withers vs. Nets game. And Denny of Dia, he was excellent in his uh, rookie debut. I was really, really impressed by how he played in this one. Played 24 minutes and scored 15 points, 4 rebounds, 2 assists. Uh, and was just playing excellent out there. He showed the things that we all knew Denny Evdia was going to be able to do. He's a wing who can handle the ball a little bit, who can bring it up the floor, who when he gets a rebound, he can push the pace, and he's a really, really good playmaker. That uh, assist that he had where it was like he was looking away and then he dumped it off to the big men, that was beautiful right there. I love his vision so much. He's got some of the best vision uh, in this whole entire class, which is really impressive for him being a wing and uh, him being the size he is but he has really good passing instincts uh, and is a really good passer as a whole but the thing that everybody worried about was which was was his jump shot because the form has never been like too bad but it's just uh the percentages have really never been there and he shot it really poor from the free throw line which is always a massive concern about someone's ability to hit the three but he hit all three of his threes the jump shot looked like he maybe adjusted it a little bit and it looked really really smooth he's flicking the wrist well following through doing all the picture perfect stuff as far as a jump shooter and i honestly think denny of dia is going to be a guy who is heavily involved with this wizards uh, team pretty early in his career uh, 
they do have some talent at the wing, but it's still at the end of the day is open. Like they have Davis Bertans, who is definitely going to play some big minutes because he got paid a good contract. They got Rui Hachimura, who's going to play minutes as well because he was a higher pick and he was very solid in his rookie season. He was another standout in this game, had 18 points, hit three of his four threes. I was really impressed by him. Uh, but yeah, Denny of Dia really stole the show for me for uh, this Wizards roster. I'm really excited to see him play again because I think he can just continue to prove himself. And that was an excellent performance from him. Really good confidence booster as well because that's something with the jump shooting that I'm pretty sure uh, I heard him in like an interview even talk about is that he's not always confident in his jump shot, which may sound like a bad thing on the surface. But at the end of the day, that's just him being self-aware of his flaws in his game. So if he can get off to a good start where he's being confident, where his uh, jump shot is hitting, I think he could uh, be a pretty impactful player early in his career. And he's a really good defender as well, who can guard multiple positions. And though he doesn't have the athletic profile that a lot of other great defenders have, he is still, at the end of the day, a tall guy who is... Uh, long arms and who is just really smart on that def on that side of the ball and he puts an effort for sure too so i love what i saw from denny of the in his debut uh, it was definitely one of the most impressive uh, rookie performances so far next i want to talk about what i saw from uh the oklahoma city thunder i was really really impressed uh, by their win against the San Antonio Spurs, I loved what I saw from the encore in this one. Shea had a pretty solid game, didn't play too much, only played 19 minutes, uh, but shot 4 of 8 from the field, 1 of 3 from 3, hit all 3 of his uh, free throws, got 4 assists, was looking a lot better on the defensive side of the ball for sure. He was already a solid defender last year, but I was really impressed uh, by the leaps he took on that side of the ball. He just looked stronger, looked quicker, and looked like he was putting in even more effort which I absolutely love to see, uh, and it really showed some maturity, showed some leadership uh, out of him, and I think he's ready to be the star of this team. Like, I don't think he's a number one guy on a championship-level team by any means. I think he's more of a number two slash number three, uh, but just on this team where there's clearly not a standout guy, I think he's ready to take that role to be a big-time scorer for this team, uh, and I'm really excited to see how it he performs uh, this year. Hamudu Diallo was very solid in this one. Uh, looked much improved. Got some uh, pretty big minutes. Shot 7 of four, uh, 14. Scored 14 points. Got 10 rebounds as well with four of those being offensive. He was uh, pretty involved on the glass. And uh, the thing that honestly impressed me the most was the rookies off the bench. Theo Maladon had a great game in this one. Shot 50% of the field, 50% of three, hit all four of three throws, got five rebounds, two assists. Uh, he was just really, really nice in this one. His uh, ball handling looked nice. He was working well in the pick and roll, just doing all the traditional point guard things that you like to see a lot. And honestly, uh, I think he should be a sixth man to start the year. But if they can get some value for George Hill, which I definitely think they can because George Hill uh, – was one of the best backup point guards in the league last year with an incredibly efficient three-point shooter. I think Theo Melodon could be a starter for this roster uh, definitely at some point in uh, this season. He was a really good pick for them. I wasn't like crazy high on uh, them, but I definitely thought he was going to be uh, picked higher than he did uh, and i think he's just a really good prospect for this roster and then pokusevsky really really impressed me in this one and it was honestly just more his confidence than anything because you got to consider this is a really really young kid i'm pretty sure he's the youngest prospect in the 2020 nba draft 
and he's coming from a completely different country where he's playing against people his age. Now he's playing against grown men in a much more difficult league because he was playing, playing in a pretty poor league, and he was... Uh, not shy at all in this one shot eight threes and hit four of those that's his really special talent is just his versatility as a big he can do so many different things he's a big who can r handle it very well is a great passer on uh, can hit the three ball too it's honestly all just his body at this point like he needs to put on a lot of weight they're gonna need to put him on a pretty extreme diet where he's eating a lot of food where he's working out frequently trying to put on muscle but just as a skill set and as, as his talent, he has it all there to be a really, really special player in this league. And I think that was one of the best picks in the 2020 NBA draft because that's where I had him around being picked. But it just made so much sense for the Thunder to take him because they're going to be a team that's not going to be that good this year. So taking a big swing on a guy who has crazy potential, I think, made so much sense for them. And I really like what I saw from him in this one. Also got eight rebounds, two assists. Uh, was turning the ball over pretty frequently. Had four turnovers and had four fouls as well. But you can't expect it to be perfect with him. Uh, it's going to take time, but... Uh, just seeing the signs that I saw in this one, I thought that was really, really nice out of him. Uh, and I was so impressed with their young core as a whole. Uh, Shea played very well. Uh, Pokusevsky played very well. And Theo Melodon played very well. Uh, Lou Dort didn't play for them. But, yeah, really impressed with what I saw from them. Uh, and it was pretty fun to watch uh, this OKC team. And I think they're, even if they're not a good team this year, they're going to be a fun team to watch because they have a lot of guys who have potential. And this team is just going to be giving a lot of younger guys opportunity. And it's all about those young guys taking full advantage of that. I think it's a big opportunity for a guy like uh, Theo to take, to be a starting point guard pretty uh early in his young career for Shea to be a number one guy and put up some big numbers for Lou Dort to be a, a full-time starter like these guys just got to take advantage of the opportunity because it's going to be there and I think they will I think they have a really good culture with this team and I just like a lot of the prospects they have on this roster really really impressed by their young core now getting into some season previews for the 2021 NBA season. First starting with the Los Angeles Lakers. My starting lineup for them is LeBron James, Wesley Matthews, Catavius Caldwell-Pope, Anthony Davis, and Marcus Saul. I'm expecting another crazy year from LeBron James. I uh, definitely think he can be pretty firm in MVP contention yet again uh, this year. I expect him to play the point guard again. I uh, I think we'll definitely see some uh, games where Dennis Schroeder starting at the one and he's starting at the three, uh, especially maybe come playoff time you want that. But uh, I think LeBron's going to be running that one uh, for most of the season. He's going to get uh, about 10 assists a game yet again. Uh, he's going to be hitting uh, shooters in the corner. Uh, hopefully we see the Anthony Davis and LeBron pick and roll run even more because, I mean, it's just completely unstoppable when they're running it, especially when, like, Anthony Davis sets a high screen. You're just you're just screwed with guarding that. But, yeah, expecting another great season from LeBron, uh, and, he's yeah, he's going to be great yet again. They picked up uh, Wesley Matthews to play the two for them, uh, and I think he's just a very solid player. Uh, fits the mold perfectly of a guy you want alongside LeBron James, a 3 and D guy. I think he is like a little bit weirdly overrated because a lot of people were reacting to that pickup, acting like it was a crazy pickup. But at the end of the day, he is a pretty solid player uh, who can just do everything you'd want alongside LeBron. So you definitely like to see that. And I think he's going to be uh, really nice for the Lakers this year. Just going to hit his threes and play solid enough defense. 
You got KCP at the three, who was really good for the Los Angeles Lakers last season. Uh, definitely was getting a lot of criticism early on in the season, but really, really stepped up and was basically good from uh, there on out and was great in the playoffs for them as well. Was hitting his three-point shot very well and was playing some really good defense too. I was super impressed by how he played last last year and I'm expecting another really nice season out of KCP. He got re-signed to a pretty long-term contract with the Lakers and I think that deal made perfect sense for both sides. Uh, and yeah, like I said, I'm expecting another really nice season out of KCP. We got Anthony Davis at the four who, uh, just like LeBron, I'm expecting another big season out of him. Uh, he's my 2021 Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, I think he could be another guy on this roster who's pretty uh, firmly in MVP contention. I just don't know, like, with those two guys on each other on each other's roster i don't know if either of them are going to be able to win an mvp because they're so damn good that they take away from each other but that combo is just excellent ad feeds off lebron so well and then when it's uh, time to really step up uh in playoff series he's going to play that center position where he thrives the most because then there's so much spacing on this roster on uh, yeah anthony davis is going to be great again this year uh, and they got Marcus All at the five, another pickup for them. Uh, I really like that pickup, just because even though he definitely took a step back last season for the Toronto Raptors, he he's at the end of the day still a very very uh, solid player who does a lot of the traditional things that you'd want a center to do. And then when they have to guard a more athletic guy like a Bam Adebayo, you can uh, put Anthony Davis at the center position and uh, make up for Mark Saul's weaknesses. But Mark Saul is still a really good playmaker, uh, which they got plenty of that on this roster, which you love to see. Uh, still can uh, be a threat out there from three, which I like a ton. Because even though Dwight Howard was really good for the Lakers last year and uh, JaVale McGee was solid as well, uh, those guys just can't shoot the ball at all. So they weren't even a threat from out there. But now they have Mark Saul who can be a threat from three and just give even more spacing and give more room for LeBron and AD to operate, which is just going to help them dominate even more. Off the bench, they got Dennis Schroeder, who I'm expecting a six-man six of the year level season from him. I think he's going to be super, super solid yet again. Uh, probably will take a little bit of a step back statistically, just because there won't be the same opportunity that there was in OKC, but I still expect him to have pretty similar efficiency. I think he's going to uh, put up some very solid numbers, score the ball well, uh, play make, work well in the pick and roll. He's probably going to start some games sometimes as well. Uh, and I'm just expecting another really good season out of Dennis Schroeder. That was an amazing pickup for them. You got Alex Caruso at the backup, uh, too, who, as much of a meme as he is, he's actually just genuinely a very solid player who can do a lot of different things for this Los Angeles Lakers team, especially on the defense side of the ball. He's a very, very good defender. Uh, he slashes to the basket well. Uh, he's definitely very athletic. Three ball comes and goes, but he's a good playmaker as well. And I just think he's good for the chemistry. All the guys on the team seem to really like him. Uh, and I like what he brings to uh, this roster. They got Markeith Morris to be a backup combo forward. Uh, just a pretty solid player who uh, defends well enough, shoots his three ball pretty well, uh, can create his own shot a little bit here and there. Uh, but just fits the typical role of being a 3 and D wing alongside LeBron. Uh, they got Kyle Kuzma, uh, another combo forward off the bench, who definitely had a very poor season last year. And honestly, I just don't think Kyle Kuzma is that good of a player. Like, even when Kyle Kuzma was putting up his really good numbers, I thought he was 
probably the most overrated player in the entire league. And when people were saying he was better than Jason Tatum, that was one of the most ridiculous things that I had ever heard. And yeah, Kyle Kuzma really isn't that good of a shooter. Uh, isn't a good defender, even though he'll have his flashes here and there. Overall, he's just a negative on that side of the ball. Isn't like a special rebounder. Uh, isn't a great ball handler either. He basically is only a straight line dribbler. He's basically TJ Warren without the three-point shot, which just isn't that good of a player, simply enough. And I wouldn't be surprised if he gets traded, to be honest, because he just doesn't fit on this roster. Uh, I think on a different team, on a bad team, with a lot of opportunity, he could put up some empty numbers uh, and look like a good player again. But on a championship team, I just don't think he fits. And then I got uh, Montrez Harrell, which was a pretty big pickup for them. Uh, and I think the Lakers will mask a lot of his issues that were exposed with the Clippers because they have such good uh, defensive big men play. Montrez Harrell's just going to bring a ton of energy off the bench. He's going to work super well in the pick and roll with Dennis Schroeder, with LeBron. Uh, he's going to run the floor super well. I'm sure we'll see some uh, nice full court passes from LeBron to Montrez. And he's going to rebound well. He'd... Uh, isn't like the most skilled offensive player by any means and definitely has a lot of issues on the defensive side of the ball uh, but he's just a really high energy guy who brings value to whatever roster he's going to be on and then i got taylor horn tucker who i'm expecting to actually get some solid rotation minutes this year especially what we've seen from him out of the preseason so far i've been really really impressed by him so i expect him to come off the bench and be another uh, three and d wing for this team uh, focus more on the offense side of the ball, but be solid enough on defense as well. Uh, and it seems like LeBron likes him quite a lot too. A lot of Lakers fans are a big fan of him too. And I'm expecting uh, a pretty uh, nice season out of Taylor Horn Tucker. My team MVP for them is LeBron James. I expect him to be heavily in contention for MVP yet again. Don't have him as the winner of it, but I could honestly see him being the winner, especially with how weird I expect this year to be. It's a shortened season. There's going to be a ton of different factors. Uh, it's really hard for me to predict MVP this season. Like, I'd go with Luka Doncic. He's my favorite player in the league. I'm expecting a massive season out of him, and I'm really high on the Mavericks. I could also see a guy like Damian Lillard winning it. I could see a dark horse like uh, Jason Tatum come out of nowhere and win it. I could see Kevin Durant come back and be an MVP again. Uh, but LeBron is just, like, one of the more solidified guys there where – uh, I know he's going to put up great scoring numbers. He's going to play make really well. And the Lakers are going to be amazing again this year. Um, my team defensive player of the year for them is Anthony Davis. I expect him to be the defensive player of the year this year. It was a really cro close race between him and Giannis uh, last year for the award. I think Giannis was well-deserving, but Anthony Davis definitely could have got uh, some recognition as defensive player of the year again as well. And I just expect them to win it this year. I don't think they're going to give it uh, to Giannis back-to-back, -back, especially after what happened in the playoffs. Even though this shouldn't matter because it's a regular season award, it's going to stick in people's heads how for a whole game, Anthony Davis uh, stuck on Jimmy Butler and stepped up to that uh, challenge where Giannis didn't. Uh, and I'm just expecting another great defensive year at Anthony Davis. I mean, ever since he's came into the league, he's consistently been one of the best defenders, so it's really surprising that he doesn't have a defensive player of the year yet, but I think this year is his year. My team most improved player for them is Taylor Horn Tucker. Really didn't play many minutes at all uh, in his rookie season, only played six games, uh, and those were all bubble games, but... 
Uh, I definitely expect him to just get more tick next season uh, and be a solid player for the Lakers. I don't really expect anybody else to take a big jump. I, I'm not expecting anyone else to take a step back. But, like, the only other younger player on this roster is Kuz. And, like I said, I just don't think Kuz is that good of a basketball player. But I think Taylor Horton Tucker could actually be a solid uh, player off this Lakers bench. My biggest storylines around the season is can anybody stop them? Like, I think the Lakers are head and shoulders above everyone in the league i think they're so so good uh, and i just uh don't think anybody can even compete with them to be honest like we could see some fun series maybe uh, a maverick series could be really fun because of lebron versus luca porzingis versus ad but i just think the lakers are a better team a clippers series uh, i think the clippers chemistry is just too bad and honestly i think they're just a bit of a mess right now uh, so I don't think that would be close. Like, I honestly don't think anybody com could compete. Like, if everything clicked for the Nets, maybe they could compete. But even then, I'm picking the Lakers over them. I just think they're way too good. And then will the new additions hurt the great chemistry? I don't think it will by any means. But, I mean, you could ask that question because their chemistry was a big reason for why they were so good last year. Like, that team just connected so well. And they had such a good energy around the team. Like, everybody was so happy. So, will losing some of the guys that were a big part of that hurt? Or will it uh, not mean anything? Which I don't think it will. I think LeBron is a really good leader. And they're going to have a great chemistry yet again. And that's going to be another big reason why they're such a good team. Uh, my expectations for them is to be the first seed and to repeat as champions. I'm expecting an amazing season out of the Los Angeles Lakers. Next season preview, I got the Los Angeles Clippers. Um, my starting lineup for them is Patrick Beverly, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Marcus Morse, and Serge Ibaka. Uh, Patrick Beverly is definitely a player I'm probably lower on than most. I just don't think his defense is as good as a lot of people think it is. Uh, and his three-point shot definitely took a bit of a step back last year. Uh, his offense as a whole has really never been much. And honestly, I just think they need much better playmaking at the point guard position. I still think that's a big issue with this roster that they still have uh, failed to address. And I think it's going to be a big kryptonite to them yet again this year. It's the lack of playmaking. If they could have got, got a guy like Ricky Rubio, I think that would have been massive for them. Uh, but they're stuck with Patrick Beverly at their starting point guard position. And I just don't think he's good enough. At the two, they got Paul George, who is definitely a player that I have pretty mixed feelings on because he... I know his talent. He's one of the most talented players in this entire league, and he has great moments. He is consistently a very good regular season player who will lead to wins in the regular season, but he has consistently failed in the playoffs these past couple of years, and what he did against the Nuggets was just an absolute uh, collapse. Like It was it was atrocious how he played. It was embarrassing, especially because he talks so much. I wish Paul George would just shut up for a little bit because I think that would honestly put the spotlight off him and give him uh, less pressure. But he continues to talk, continues to uh, just say these ridiculous things. And I'm really worried about him, especially because he got that big uh, extension. He needs to play well in this playoffs. And at this point uh, in his career, I've lost all my confidence in Paul George to be a consistently good playoff player. Like, he'll have his moments. He had some uh, very good games in the playoffs, but he was consistently underwhelming and disappointing. And I expect that yet again from him, sadly. At three, they got Kawhi Leonard, who, honestly, I feel like his playoff performance is way, like, blown out of proportion. He was really, really good in the 2020 playoffs, uh, and I know he was terrible in the Game 7, and that's when it matters the most. It was no excuse for how he performed. He performed terribly. He was 
awful in that game seven. Uh, but he's still, at the end of the day, is a top five player in this league. Some people are starting to really, really disrespect and underrate Kawhi Leonard. Like, he's still one of the best players we have in this league. He's still an elite wing defender and one of the best scorers as well, who is just so methodical as a scorer. Like, he doesn't do these crazy moves. He's not like Kyrie, who is so flashy and scores so beautifully every time. He is just... Uh, very basic moves. It's like a one dribble pull up, but it's so effective and he's so strong and bounces off people. He's a great finisher. Kawhi Leonard is still one of the best players we have in this league. I think he's going to be out for revenge this year, and I think he's going to be really, really good in this year. At the fourth, they got Marcus Morris, who I hated uh, that they re signed him for the amount of length. Uh, for the length that they did and for uh, the amount of money that they did. I am a player, a person who's pretty low on Marcus Morris, especially because I had him on my own team. And though he is a talented player, he's one of those players who I think he thinks he's a lot better than he actually is. Like a lot of the times, especially for the Celtics, he was stalling the offense a ton. And I think that's a really underrated reason to why that uh, the 2020 uh, the 2019, I mean, uh, Celtics just completely fell apart and were one of the biggest uh, embarrassments in NBA history is because of a guy like Marcus Morris and a guy like Terry Rozier taking shots away from the young guys. And I expect that to happen yet again with this team where he, at certain points he's going to take shots away from uh, Paul Jordan and Kawhi Leonard and he's going to be stalling the offense. But he is still a talented scorer who uh, can do a, a lot of different things on the offense side of the ball. I just don't think he's that great of a player, and they signed him to a pretty big contract. And at the five, they got Serge Ibaka, which I think that was one of the best pickups in the 2020 NBA free agency. I think that's a pretty big upgrade for Montrose Harrell, especially considering the needs of this Clippers team. They needed someone who can defend the rim well. Uh, Serge Ibaka can absolutely do that. He's not Serge Ibaka anymore where he was averaging like three blocks a game, but he is still a solid rim protector. And then he could shoot the three ball very, very well. He was killing the Celtics in that second round series in the pick and pop i think he's going to thrive in the pick and pop this year and he has good uh, chemistry with Kawhi leonard they were on the uh, raptors team that won the championship and i think he's going to be really really good for this team uh, and if they do uh end up being the team that we th thought they were going to be i think uh serge Ibaka is going to be a massive reason uh, to why that does happen off the bench, they got Reggie Jackson, who is a player that I don't like too much just because he's a pretty inefficient scorer who uh, can sometimes be another guy who stalls the offense, and he isn't a good playmaker, which they need at the point guard position. They need better playmaking, uh, but I do like that they retained him because he actually was pretty solid for them in the bubble. Uh, shot the three ball pretty well, much better than he has most of his career, and actually was a more efficient scorer than he had been before, so I do like uh, them rotating him. Just hope he doesn't get like two big of minutes. And they got Lou Williams, who's definitely taking a bit of a step back, and I feel like uh, his age is finally starting to get to him. He seemed like a player who was just getting better with age, but it definitely looked like he took a step back last year, and he's basically always been a liability in the playoffs. Uh, I think except for that Warrior series, uh, a couple of years ago, he's basically been terrible in the playoffs every single year. And every single year, he's going to get targeted on the defensive side of the ball. 
Uh, so I just think he should be a player that this team looks to trade uh, to try and get some more playmaking because even though he is a really talented scorer, he's one of the smoothest scorers in the entire league. I just think his defense in a, in a playoff series hurts way too much. Uh, and he's not as good of a scorer as he was a couple of years ago. And he's not a great playmaker either. So I just don't think he really fits on this roster. They picked up Luke Kennard, which was one of my favorite pickups uh, that almost anybody made. I thought that was a great move for them. They only had to trade Landry Shamit to do so. And I think that was a really, really good move for them. He is someone who's dealt with injuries throughout his career, which is by far my biggest concern about him. But when he's on the floor, he's a pretty good player. He can shoot the three ball very, very well. Uh, he is a good playmaker, too. Average like 16-4-4 four four for the Pistons uh, last year. Was really solid, but only played like 29 games or something because he's dealt with so many injuries. But... I just hope he could stay healthy because he's going to be a nice player for them. And honestly, if he is healthy, I think he should be starting for this team uh, over Marcus Morris. I think he's a really nice player. Uh, they picked up Nicholas Batum, who is a player that has taken a big step back uh, in these past couple of years. was amazing for the Trailblazers a couple of years ago. And they got signed to that massive uh, contract in Charlotte, dealt with some injuries, and just isn't the same player at all. His three-point shot isn't hidden anymore. I just think he's not that good of a basketball player anymore, to be honest. He's taking a big fall from grace, and that pickup is kind of uh, a nothing to me. I really don't expect him to get many minutes on this roster. Uh, they got Patrick Patterson, who is a pretty solid stretch big. Had a nice season for them last year. Uh, doesn't really do much else besides stretch the floor, but that's so valuable uh, in this league, especially as a big. So he's going to get some solid minutes for this team uh, and be good for them again this year. And then they got Avika Zubak at the backup five, who uh, is uh, pretty solid as a backup center. Uh, I definitely like him a lot more uh, off the bench than as a starter, but he's a pretty good defender, even though he can't move his feet great. And against a guy like Anthony Davis, he was kind of he would uh, get exposed. Uh, but he is a good rebounder for sure, good enough shot blocker, good uh, interior finisher, sets good screens, rolls to the basket, does a lot of the traditional big men thing, doesn't do anything like special. He isn't like a playmaker or a shooter by any means, but he's just a really uh, solid backup five for this team. And then for the rookies, they got Daniel Toro and Jay Scrub. I uh, really like the Daniel Toro pick. He was one of my favorite players in the class. He's a center who can rebound, who can shoot the ball very, very well, uh, who can finish at the basket, who can post up very well as well. Uh, definitely don't expect him to ever get as much opportunity that he did at Minnesota, uh, but I expect uh, him to be a solid player for this team at one point. Don't expect him to get minutes this year. Probably will get some a tick in the G League, and I definitely like that pick. And then another pick that I like a lot, Jay Scrub. He is a pretty high-ceiling player, uh, played uh, at a uh, – what are those called? Uh, I don't know. I can't think of what they're called right now, but uh, he played at a, a weird college. Uh, but he is a really, really high-ceiling player. Uh, he has a lot of potential. He uh, definitely needs to work on a lot of parts of his game, but he is super athletic, has some crazy athleticism. Uh, yeah, he played at a Juco college, uh, and he put up some big points, scored about 22 points per game, needs to improve the three-point shooting, needs to improve the playmaking, but I just like that pick a lot. He's going to need a lot of development, but I think he can be a really nice player for them at some point. 
Um, my team MVP for them is Kawhi Leonard. He's also my team defensive player of the year. I'm expecting Kawhi Leonard to be out for vengeance this season. Uh, I really, really hope he proves a lot of people wrong because he's one of my favorite players in the league, uh, and I just think he's so, so good. Uh, and I think uh, last season was a really, really uh, big stain on his legacy, so he needs to come back. He needs to be aiming for people's necks, uh, and I'm expecting Kawhi Leonard to be really good this season. My team most improved player for them uh, is Luke Kennard. It was really tough to pick a most improved player because these are a lot of uh, solidified veterans who I don't expect to get like worse by any means, but I don't expect to get much better. So I just put Luke Kennard. He's uh, one of the youngest guys on this roster, and I'm expecting him to be a really nice piece. If he stays healthy, like I said, I could see him being a legitimate uh, starter for this roster, being a great three-point shooter, and one of the uh, only pretty solid playmakers as well. So I like that pickup a ton for them. My biggest storylines around the season is will they fall apart? Like, is this team about to be a massive disappointment again and then lose Kawhi Leonard, be stuck with Paul George and Marcus Morris? Uh, they definitely can fall apart. Their chemistry was a big issue last year and was a big reason why the Lakers had the upper hand is because I think talent-wise, those teams weren't too far apart. Uh, but... The Lakers' chemistry was amazing, while the Clippers' chemistry was really bad. It came out uh, that the uh, superstars on this roster were getting uh, perifer peripheral uh, treatment, and that rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. And I like you expect superstars to get better treatment than the last player on the bench, but some of the stuff that came out was ridiculous, like Kawhi Leonard being able to show up uh, late to practices and even games sometimes uh, because he was living in San Diego. Uh, it was just a lot of things that uh, I could definitely see uh, why they rubbed uh, people the wrong way, and I think their chemistry might make them fall apart this season. And then can they even compete with the Lakers, even if their chemistry is good and if things go right? The Lakers got a lot better. So is this team even good enough to compete with the Lakers? I honestly j just don't think so. And then will the new coach in addition to help? They changed uh, to Tyron Lue as their head coach, picked up Serge Ibaka, picked up Luke Kennard. Will those additions help? And will those uh, push them over the edge to finally be at least a conference finals team? My expectations for them is to be a top four seed and a second rounder conference finals exit. Honestly, I think they're the fourth best team in this conference, especially with my worries about the chemistry. I'm taking the Lakers over them. I'm taking the Mavericks over them. Uh, and I'm taking the Nuggets over them. And I'd be tempted to take a team like the Suns over them as well. I'm pretty, pretty low on the Clippers this season, especially after what I saw last year. I was so confident in them being a championship team, and they disappointed the hell out of me. So I'm not letting that happen again. My expectations are very, very low and probably lower than most people's are. My next season preview is for the Phoenix Suns. Uh, their starting lineup is Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Mikhail Bridges, Jay Crowder, and DeAndre Aiden. And before I even get into these players individually, this starting lineup, when I was just typing it out, I was like, oh my god, this lineup is beautiful. It fits so well together. Love what the uh, Phoenix Suns did this offseason. They picked up Chris Paul to be that point guard, which I think was an amazing move for them because he can play like the Ricky Rubio role of being the orchestrator and being the main playmaker, but he's obviously way better than Ricky Rubio. He's going to score the ball way better than he ever could, and him and Devin Booker alongside each other are both going to be able to close out games. Chris Paul was one of the best clutch players in the entire league last year and was amazing for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Had one of his better seasons in a long, long time and proved a lot of people wrong, proved myself wrong. I was pretty 
I was I think I was higher than most people were on the Thunder uh, going into last season, but definitely didn't think they'd be a top five seed in the conference and uh, push the Houston Rockets to seven games. They were really really impressive, and Chris Paul was a big reason because uh why that happened and i think a big reason is because he's such a good leader and i think he's going to help a lot of these young guys so much we already saw how much he helped shea gildas alexander i think that was one of the biggest reasons why shea is going to be so good this year is because he was taught by chris paul he was mentored by him a lot uh, and he learned so much from him uh, and, and they still have a really good relationship. I think he's going to help Devin Booker emerge even more into being a near superstar level player. He's going to help a guy like Mikhail Bridges. I think DeAndre Aiden is going to love playing with Chris Ball. I think that was one of the best and maybe even the best pick of the, of the 2020 NBA offseason. That was an amazing trade for them. At two, they got Devin Booker, who I'm expecting another amazing season from him. He's just consistently been so good on has proven to people that he can be uh, a winner in this league, which I think was a ridiculous narrative in the first place that he couldn't be a winner, but he is proving that ridiculous narrative wrong. Uh, he's an amazing scorer, one of the best that we have in this entire league. Is just so skilled from absolutely everywhere, has refined his offensive game so much he can handle it really, really well. Uh, Hits really tough mid-rages frequently, can finish at the basket, can hit threes. He can just do everything on the offensive side of the ball. And has become one of the better playmakers in the league and one of the most underrated playmakers as well. Like He was averaging about seven assists per game with Ricky Rubio, who averaged nine assists alongside him. That's really impressive stuff from him. And he has some great vision and makes some passes that I think truly only elite playmakers can. I think Devin Booker is an amazing player who is in for an amazing season at the three they got Mikhail Bridges who was emerging to be one of the better three and D wings in the league especially considering his age still needs to improve as a three-point shooter and become more consistent from out there but he's already one of the best defenders in the league uh, is elite as a wing defender has sh shut down multiple really really good players has some of the most crazy length that I've seen. He has super long arms. He has a really, really high IQ on that side of the ball. He is strong enough. He has a good size. And he competes really, really hard on that end as well. Uh, I think he's going to uh, be in for a really good season for this team. At the four, they got Jay Crowder, which I think is one of the most underrated pickups of the offseason. Jay Crowder fits so perfectly into this team as a guy who is a catch-and-shoot player, who is a really good defender. He fits so perfectly alongside Chris Paul and Devin Booker because uh, him and Mikael Bridges can basically play the same role where Chris Paul and Devin Booker are creating most of the offense off the dribble. They're being the main ball handlers and facilitators, and those guys are going to thrive off those two and all the attention that they uh, need by hitting open threes and then on the other end playing really, really good defense. That was an amazing pickup for them. And then at the five, they got DeAndre Ayton, who is he's a really weird player because even as a number one pick, he's gone like so under the radar and people really don't talk about DeAndre in much but I honestly think he has one of the craziest potentials in the league like you got to consider this guy's a seven a legitimate seven footer who is already an elite post scorer with some of just some of the most beautiful post moves in the entire league who uh, is really really strong is one of the strongest players in the league uh who has also shown potential to shoot, and I expect him to be a good shooter this year. He's already shown potential to hit the mid-range, was stepping out to the three-point line in the bubble, 
Uh, I think he can just do absolutely everything on the offense side of the ball. And he's an improving defender as well. DeAndre Ayton is dangerous and is in for an amazing season uh, with the Phoenix Suns. I'm expecting really, really big things. I think he's going to feed off Chris Paul. That pick and roll duo is going to be disgusting. Uh, and he's one of the more skilled bigs that Chris Paul has had. Basically, behind Blake Griffin, he's right there. And that's just so, so good for him. I'm expecting such a great season out of DeAndre, and, and I'm really excited to see him play. Off the bench, they got Javon Carter, really solid uh, backup point guard who is a great defender uh, and shot the three ball really, really well last season, especially in the bubble. He was a big piece to why they went 8-0. Super glad they re-signed him because he was just really nice for them, and I'm expecting another really good season out of Javon Car Carter at that backup point guard position. They picked up Langston Galloway, which I think was a really nice pick. Uh, pick up, he's a really good 3 uh, D guy isn't a great defender, but is good enough on that side of the ball. And then is an excellent shooter. Uh, I think that's another underrated pickup for them. Honestly, they had uh, the near perfect offseason. They just absolutely killed it. Uh, they got Cameron Bain, who honestly was really good in the bubble, which was one of the most surprising things, to be honest. Like, obviously, them going A&O no was surprising, but Cameron Bain was a legitimate, impactful, good NBA player. He was shooting the three ball really, really well, which was the biggest reason for his performance was just how good he shot the three ball. And I'm expecting him to be a solid rotation player for them this year. Hopefully, that wasn't a fluke, and hopefully, he could actually be good for them this year. They picked up Eton Moore as well, who's just another wig who could shoot the ball very well and plays good enough defense. They got a lot of uh, those type of guys on the roster, which I just think is so perfect because you have two great playmakers and great uh individual scores and Chris Paul and Devin Booker and then you just have so many guys around them that they could uh, hit and they could facilitate too so I think that's just perfect for them uh, they resided Dario Saric which I think was a, a good resetting for them good shooter uh, can play make a little bit as well can rebound uh, can uh, handle the ball a little bit at the four, and I just think he's a solid player to have off the bench. They got Cameron Johnson, who definitely was picked too high, uh, considering just uh, where most people projected him at. But at the end of the day, he is still a really good player who is one of the better three-point shooters in the league already. Like, he is a really, really good shooter, solid defender as well, has great size, and was amazing in the bubble. Uh, was a big reason why I think they felt comfortable in trading Kelly Oubre is because they know Cam Johnson is going to be good going into the future. And then they drafted Jalen Smith, which a lot of people were questioning that pick, but honestly, I like that pick quite a lot. Would I maybe have liked a guy like Ty Tyrese Halburn being picked there a little bit more, or even like an Aaron Nesmith? But, uh, maybe, but Jalen Smith is still a really solid player who I like a ton. He was one of my favorite prospects in the draft. Reminds me of like a Miles Turner type of player. Great shooter at the big man position. Uh, solid enough rebounder as well. And then is a really good defender who can block shots on guard the perimeter a little bit as well. Moves well on his feet. Uh, definitely think he's a little bit more of a five, which is why I'm not absolutely in love with this pick. But I think he can play some four alongside DeAndre Aiden and then be a really solid backup five as well. And then they have an undrafted rookie in Tyshawn Alexander, which I think was a, a great uh, move for them to get him. He reminds me a ton of like a KCP type player, Courtney Lee, just a solid 3 and D uh, two guard who uh, doesn't have like a crazy high ceiling or anything, but I think he has pretty solid role player potential. Uh, and I think he could be a good player uh, going into the future for this roster. 
My team MVP for them is Devin Booker. I was going back and forth between Chris Paul and Devin Booker because I think they're in a similar uh, range of player, but I'm expecting a little bit of regression from Chris Paul. Not a crazy amount, but just a little bit. And then I'm expecting uh, some progression from uh, Devin Booker. So I think he's going to be great for them this season. I think he's going to average like 20... Uh, 27, a 26 on amazing efficiency yet again. He uh, had great efficiency last year as well. And then him, uh, I expect him to get around seven assists as well. I'm expecting a similar year, but just on even better efficiency and this team being a lot better as well. My team defensive player of the year for them is Mikhail Bridges. I expect him to be locking up wings this year. There's so many good wings in this league, and I think it's a wing-driven league. Like all, If you look at uh, all the past championship teams, most of the time a wing is their best player. Like the Lakers, uh, the Warriors, there's uh, the Heat with LeBron. There's just a lot of examples of... Uh, teams that the wing is their best player. So Mikael Bridges is going to be asked to do a lot. In a playoff series, he may have to guard a Luka Doncic. He's going to have to guard a LeBron. There's so many good wings in this Western Conference especially, and I expect him to guard them very, very well. He's just emerging as one of the best wing defenders in the entire league. And my team most approved player for them is DeAndre Ayan. He was already really good last year, but I'm expecting like a near all-star uh, level season out of DeAndre and honestly I could see this roster having three near all-star players like I I'm so high on this roster and I think they could be really really good and I think DeAndre Ayton is a big piece of that my biggest storylines around the season is how much will Chris Paul help will he uh, uh, help them ascend to being like a top four seed in the Western Conference or are they just going to be a solid team and they definitely improve pretty dramatically but they're not a big uh, threat. Can Chris Paul help them even be contenders right now? That'd be really interesting to see. And it's how good can Neon Jaden become? Like I said, I think he has some crazy potential and it's, uh, can he reach that potential uh, pretty early and just how high is his ceiling? Is his ceiling like a top 15 player in the league? Or is it like a top 25 player in the league? I'm really interested to see that. My expectations for them is to be a top 5 to 8 seed and to be a first or second round exit. I'm really excited to watch them play this year. They're one of my favorite teams in the entire league uh, with the roster that they have constructed. I would take the Lakers over them. I would take the Clippers over them. I would take the Nuggets over them. And I would take the Mavericks over them. And I'd probably take the Trailblazers over them. But honestly, they could compete with a lot of those teams. The only team that I would say is like super definitively better than them is the Lakers. I'm expecting a really good season out of the Phoenix Suns this year. I'm going to take a break, and I'll be right back to talk about the Sacramento Kings. Okay, I'm back to bring you my season preview for the Sacramento Kings. My starting lineup for them is De'Aaron Fox, Buddy Heald, Harrison Barnes, Marvin Bagley, and Rashawn Holmes. I'm expecting a very good season out of De'Aaron Fox. He's one of my favorite younger players in the entire league. I just love his uh, speed, love his ball handling, his uh, playmaking ability as well definitely needs to improve as a shooter and that was something he took a pretty noticeable step back in last year uh, but he still had a good season still averaged uh, over 20 points about seven assists uh, definitely dealt with some injuries as well had like a high ankle sprain that kept him out for about a month uh, but I'm expecting a good season out of him 
Uh, I hope Luke Walton has him actually running a high-paced offense because that was ridiculous last year. You have one of the fastest players in the entire league who thrives in the open court, who thrives in the fast break, and you're running this slow-ass-paced offense that does nothing but hurt him. Hopefully they change that for sure. They have Buddy Heald at the two, who was pretty disgruntled last year. It's so weird to me how they uh, let go of uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich for literally nothing, but all they did by starting Bogdan was get Buddy Heald very, very upset and mad with the organization. I uh, definitely wouldn't be surprised to see him be traded uh, sooner rather than later, especially if he continues to be upset with the franchise and Luke Walton. Uh, but he's still a good player who is an amazing three-point shooter. Uh, is somewhat one limit, uh, somewhat limited as he doesn't do much other than uh, shoot the three ball. Isn't like a great shot creator. Isn't terrible by any means, but doesn't stand out as a shot creator. Isn't a great playmaker either. Definitely not a defender. Uh, but he's still a valuable player who I could see uh, being really, really important to a good team. Uh, just with how good his three-point shooting ability is. Uh, Harrison Barnes at the three, who has been a consistently overpaid player these past couple years, but he is still a very, very solid player who I think would be valuable on basically any team he's on. He's a combo 3-4 who is a pretty good defender, uh, has uh, some good length, good size, good three-point shooter as well, can uh, create off the dribble just a little bit, can... Um, uh, hit hit the mid-range off the dribble. Uh, I just like Harrison Barnes quite a lot and think he's a really solid player, even though he is overpaid. As a forward, they got Marvin Bagley, who is a player that I'm super interested uh, in watching him play this year because obviously never should have been picked over Luka Doncic. That was a terrible pick. But he still is a really t talented player. His career just so far has been absolutely riddled and destroyed by injuries. He has had the injury bug throughout his entire career so far. And that's really killed him. He only played like 20 games last year. And he is a talented guy. He can score in the post. He can hit the mid-range. He can even hit the three a little bit. Definitely needs to improve as a shooter, but is solid enough from out there. Uh, and I'm really, really excited to see him play. I'm hoping but nothing uh, for nothing but the best uh, for Marvin Bagley this season. At the five, they got Rashawn Holmes. Definitely could see them starting Hassan Whiteside. That would be the most Kings thing to do ever is to start Hassan Whiteside. But I think they should start uh, Rashawn Holmes. He's coming off, honestly, a really good season for the Sacramento Kings. In a season where there was a lot of down moments, moments for them, he was honestly one of their only bright spots, and he was just super solid. He's a guy who runs the floor very, very well. He rolls to the basket, sets good screens, is a great lob target, and is a solid enough defender as well. I think Rashawn Holmes is just a really, really solid player, and I'm expecting another good season out of him. Off the bench, they got Corey Joseph. Just a decent backup point guard. Definitely is pretty overpaid with him being paid around $12 million a year. Uh, but he is still a decent enough player who I think on a contending team could be pretty valuable uh, as a backup point guard. He can play and make pretty well, works well in the pick and roll, shoots the ball decent enough, and he's just a solid player as a whole. They drafted uh, Tyrese Halliburton, which I think was a really good pick. Uh, I'm really surprised he lasted to them. I thought he was going to be drafted much higher, but he's a really good player who I think uh, in the future is going to fit alongside uh, De'Aaron Fox very well because 
they both uh, complement each other really well with having um, very different uh, strengths and weaknesses. Tyrese Halliburton, really good defender, uh, really good playmaker as well. Uh, great shooter who, even though he has a very uh, weird shot form, it works pretty well. Reminds me of like uh, Malcolm Brogdon, Lonzo Ball type of player. Just a really well-rounded guard who can do a lot of different things. The Just the biggest weakness to his game is that he's not a crazy athlete and he's not a, a very good creator. His handle isn't great and he doesn't have that burst to beat a lot of guys off the dribble. But he's just so well, well-rounded well-rounded and he's one of the uh the guys in this draft who i'm most confident in just being a really good player i don't think he has like a star uh ceiling but i think he has great role player potential and i really like the backcourt of the aaron fox and tyrese halliburton going into the future uh they signed glenn robinson who is a super athletic wing off the bench uh, can shoot the three ball pretty well. Shot it somewhat inconsistent throughout his career so far. But he actually was uh, pretty good on that crippled uh, Warriors team. And then played some decent basketball for the 76ers as well. I like that pickup. Uh, they got Nemanja Bielica, who is one of the best stretch fours in the entire league. Is an incredible shooter. Uh, who I'm expecting a pretty solid season out of him. He's been consistently really good uh, for the Kings these past couple of years, and I expect him to continue to do that. He's just such a good shooter. Uh, is really, really lethal from out there. Uh, they got Jabari Parker still, who I just don't think is a really good basketball player at this point in his career. He just doesn't do anything that would uh, make me want him to be a rotation player on my team. Uh, he isn't a good defender. He isn't a great rebounder. He isn't a great shooter. Like, he really just doesn't do much. He was actually pretty solid at the very beginning of the season when he was playing for the Atlanta Hawks, but then what went back to typical Jabari Barker stuff and then was not good for the Kings. Uh, they picked up Hassan Whiteside, who I think is a, one of the most overrated players in the league. Like, people don't even think he's that good, but uh, he is just not that good of a player to me really at all like he puts up extremely empty numbers and people who just look at the numbers think he is a pretty good player but he's just not he uh, has very inconsistent effort he clearly just goes out there to put up numbers i i think a lot of people put that uh empty numbers uh label on people but hassan whiteside is truly an empty numbers player. Like, I just don't think he's that good, and I definitely think he should be the backup. And again, it would be such a Kings thing for them to start Hassan Whiteside over Rashawn Holmes. Please don't do that. They also picked up Frank Kaminsky, who's a pretty decent stretch five. He'll play some just solid rotation minutes. Uh, rebounds the ball decent enough, but it definitely his best ability is to shoot the ball at the center position. Uh, they got some really good second rounders in their draft as well. I was super impressed with their draft, and it sucks because uh, this team is a bit of a mess, but they did so well in the draft, and I like so many of their prospects. I love the Tyrese Halburn pick. And then they got Jamius Ramsey and Robert Woodard, who I think were two of the biggest steals in the entire NBA draft. Jamius Ramsey is a super electric scorer who can definitely have a tendency to take some bad shots Kind of like a J.R. Smith type of player, but 
it can be a big spark plug off the bench for them. Uh, can block shots pretty well uh, as a guard slash wing, and I just love that pickup. And then Robert Woodard, I'm so surprised he lasted uh, to where he did because he's one of the players who I'm just confident in being a very solid player. Reminds me a lot of like an OG on a Nobi type of guy. He's a really good 3 and D wing who can't really create his own shot at all, but is just uh, so solid as a defender, is pretty strong, has good length, good size, and then shot the three ball pretty well. Uh, you, they definitely could be worried about his three-point shot uh, transitioning because he didn't shoot uh, many attempts, but he shot it pretty well. Uh, and I'm expecting him to be a really, really good pick for them out of the second round. My team MVP for them is De'Aaron Fox. I'm expecting a great season out of De'Aaron. Hopefully he can be a near like all-star level player this year. Uh, and I'm just expecting big things out of him. I think he's just really, really good. Uh, my team defensive player of the year for him is Harrison Barnes. My The defense definitely worries me a ton on this roster. Like Hassan, Whiteside will probably put up the best defensive numbers, but he's not that good of a defender. Uh, De'Aaron Fox is a solid defender, but I think he's going to be asked to do a lot on the offensive side of the ball. Buddy Heald, not a defender. Ma Marvin Bagley, not a defender. And Rajon Holmes is just a pretty average defender. So I gave it to Harrison Barnes, but he's definitely not a great defender. It's just more of a product of there being a lack of defense on this roster. My team most improved player for them is Marvin Bagley. I'm expecting a very solid season out of him if he can stay healthy. And again, that's a big, big, big if. But I, I just think he's really talented, and I just think uh, we haven't been able to see that yet due to the health. So I'm praying for health for him. Uh, my biggest storylines around the season is, is it time to trade uh, Buddy Heald? He has clearly been pretty upset with this roster uh, in the past season, so I'm definitely interested to see if they trade Buddy Heald. Uh, and then can Marvin Bagley finally stay healthy? He has dealt with so many injuries in his very young career and has been a really disappointing uh, pick so far for them. So can he finally stay healthy? And uh, is Luke Walton the right coach? I don't think he is by any means. And I actually think he's one of the worst and possibly now that uh, Jim Boylan's out of the league, the worst coach in the entire league. I think he's absolutely terrible as a coach. The fact that they gave him a five-year deal is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen. Uh, but, yeah, I definitely don't think he's the right coach. I think he needs to be fired, but it looks like they're keeping him. And I expect them to be one of the worst teams in the conference. The Western Conference is just so good. And there's so many teams that I'm pretty confident in uh, them being worse than, like, uh, at best, they're probably a 10th seed. But that's best case scenario. And I don't expect it to go best case scenario for them. I expect them to be a mess yet again. Which is sad because I like a lot of pieces on this roster. I like some of the talent. But the Kings uh, just... Other than that one year where they were the ninth seed, they've just consistently been a mess and a disappointment. It's very, very sad. Uh, next season preview is the Golden State Warriors. My starting lineup for them is Stephen Curry, Andrew Wiggins, Kelly Oubre, Draymond Green, and James Wiseman. I'm expecting a great season out of Stephen Curry where he proves a lot of the people that forgot how good he is wrong because so many people are disrespecting this man's name and acting like he isn't one of the 15 best players we've ever seen and still the best point guard in the league and still a top five player in this league. Steph Curry is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, I'm expecting him to shoot the three ball crazy like he always does, handle the ball, 
be a, a playmaker, just do all the Steph Curry things. I I don't think the narrative that he needs a crazy team around him is true. We saw him uh, in like 2014 against the Denver Nuggets in the playoffs, put up some great numbers when Steph. Uh, when Clay Thompson was only like a 16 or 17 point per game score, people act like this man's career began in 2015. He was a very good player before 2015. He just really ascended after that, but he was still a great player, and I'm expecting huge things out of him. I hope he can be an MVP candidate this year. I do. I got them starting Andrew Wiggins. He's a player who I'm just simply not very high on at all. I think his offensive game is super inefficient. He takes bad shots that he's really not good at like he takes a lot of mid-ranges even though he's not a good mid- mid-range shooter he's not a good three-point shooter either uh he is not a good defender even though he has all the tools he's always had all the tools to be a good player but i just think he's not a hard enough worker and i just don't think he uh took advantage of all the potential that he had i mean maybe he can be a solid player in golden state where there's a better culture there's better leadership better coaching but i just simply don't believe in andrew wiggins anymore and it's so funny to me where we have this tradition every single year we're like yo it's the andrew wiggins breakout season and it's so funny because i i saw it on twitter where someone was talking about like oh people are talking about andrew wiggins having his breakout season finally the NBA is back. It's it's really the true symbol that the NBA season is back when we t- start talking about Andrew Wiggins having a breakout season. I just don't think he's that good of a player. But it will be solid enough for this Golden State Warriors team. He's just way overpaid. Out of three, they picked up uh, Kelly Oubre, which I think was a very, very good pick for them. He is a pretty athletic wing who can defend well. Sh- uh, doesn't shoot the three ball great, but shoots the three ball well enough at least. Uh, and I just think that was a good pickup for them. Only had to give up a top 20 protected first round pick uh, for a solid player who was really good for the Phoenix Suns last season, even though I think the roster fits better without him. Uh, he was still a good player when he was playing for them, uh, and he's going to be good for this Golden State Warriors team. At the four, they got Draymond Green, who was coming off one of his worst seasons in a long, long while. And it's just Draymond Green is one of those players where he, at the end of the day, is a player that you should never expect to be great on his own. And I'm super interested to see how he is this season because I don't know how much of his regression last year was just because he doesn't didn't have the talent around him. And he is a playmaker. He's not a guy you want creating his own shot by any means. He's a guy who thrives with star talent around him where he can be a big-time playmaker and be really good on the defense side of the ball. So I'm expecting a good season out of Draymond Green. At the five, they got James Wiseman. Uh, pick, uh, picked him with a second pick in the 2020 NBA draft. Now, I would have been a much bigger fan of them trading down and drafting uh, Onyeka Kongwu or just drafting Onyeka Kongwu there because I think he's a better prospect. But James Wiseman is still a pretty solid player. We just haven't seen him play basketball in so long. Uh, and he tested positive, so he's also not going to get much tick in training camp uh, or at all, really. And then I don't think he's going to be able to play in pre- preseason either. So he's... Uh, gonna step into the regular season right away and that's a lot of expectations out of him uh, but he is a super athletic guy needs to improve a lot as far as his iq 
and his feel for the game, but his raw athleticism and his raw size alone uh, will make him a solid enough player. And even if he's just a run, uh, dunk, and jump center, he's going to do that pretty effectively for the Golden State Warriors this season. Off the bench, they got Damian Lee, who actually stepped up and played some pretty solid basketball for the Warriors last year with them dealing with so many injuries and them just being really bad. He was one of the guy, guys who took uh, the biggest advantage of his opportunity, shot the three ball pretty well, and I think it will be a solid uh, guard off the bench for them. Brad Wanamaker, they uh, picked up in free agency from my Boston Celtics. I'm so glad glad uh, Brad Wanamaker is gone. I hated watching Brad. He was one of my least favorite players I've ever seen on the Celtics. was so frustrating to watch. Uh, he is a decent playmaker, but he doesn't shoot the three ball great. Is pretty inconsistent from out there. Is the best uh, free throw shooter of all time statistically, uh, but I just don't think Brad Wanamaker is that good of a player to be so, to be honest. Uh, they got Jordan Poole, who had a pretty rough rookie season, uh, but I still think he has some good potential. I still think he can shoot the three ball. Uh, pretty well shot it pretty rough in his uh, first season but did shoot a good amount of attempts showed confidence from out there and i expect uh, some pretty solid improvement out of him uh, uh, they picked up ken bazemore who i just don't think is that good of a player to be honest anymore and this warrior's depth is uh, pretty pretty rough if you look at it uh Ken Bazemore is a really inconsistent three-point shooter and just a pretty inefficient player as a whole who's not that good on defense either. Uh, so it worries me that he's probably going to get some solid minutes off the bench. Uh, Eric Pascal had a really good rookie season, but honestly, I just don't know his fit with this Golden State Warriors team anymore uh, because he doesn't really shoot the three ball well. Uh, and that's his, like his biggest weakness on the offense side of the ball. Isn't a great defender either, so he can't really play alongside Draymond uh, I just think he would be better with a different team where he's going to have more opportunity and if they could get a more solidified wing shooter off the bench I think that'd be better for them uh, they got Kevon Looney as a backup uh, five uh, I expect him to just be solid as he's been throughout his entire career with Golden State so far uh, I do like them getting a center in this draft just because Kevin Looney, Kevon Looney has dealt with a ton of injuries and he's at the end of the day, you don't want him as a starter, but I think as a backup, he's really solid. He just does all the traditional big men things uh, very, very well, and he's just a solid player to have off the bench for them. And then they got Marquise Chris, who was really good for this Warriors team. He was another guy who took uh, some pretty big advantages of them being a bad team last year uh, and carved out a role for him in the league when it looked like he could have been easily out of the league. He uh, rolled to the basket well finished really well was a great lob target and used that athleticism to his full advantage he still makes boneheaded plays he still fouls too much but he is a good shot blocker and then rolls to the basket and is a really good lob target uh they got rookies in nico Mannion, justani and jessup and uh caleb wesson nico Mannion. i think that was just a super safe pickup for them uh he was uh, very, very late. He fell a ton in the draft. He was the top uh, 10 guy uh, just a couple of years ago, but he really struggled in his season at Arizona, shot the ball incredibly inefficiently, but he uh, competes on that offense side of the ball and is a great playmaker, so I think that was a good pick for them. Honestly, I didn't really know anything about Justani and Jessup uh, going into the draft, but he's an excellent shooter, one of the better ones in the entire draft, and I think he's 
uh, going to be solid for them. And then they I picked up Caleb Wesson out of undrafted free agency, who's the center uh, out of Ohio State, who can shoot the three ball pretty, pretty well. Uh, was honestly really impressive as a three-point shooter there uh, in his most recent season. Has dealt with some injuries and has had some issues with like being overweight, but I think he'd be a solid player for them at some point, and I hope he gets some opportunity for them in the uh, coming years. My team MVP for them is Steph Curry. I expect him to have a massive season. I really hope he proves a lot of people wrong and has one of his best seasons yet. Uh, I think he's going to be an MVP candidate. Uh, I don't think they're going to be good enough to be uh, uh, like a legitimate MVP candidate for him. I don't think he's going to be above a guy like like a Luka Doncic or a LeBron in uh, MVP contention, but I'm expecting a great season out of him regardless. My team defensive player of the year for them is Draymond Green. I'm expecting him to prove a lot of people wrong uh, and step up on the defense side of the ball and be really, really good on that end, uh, especially now that he has more of a purpose. He uh, has more of a goal of uh, winning now, and I just think he's going to be good for them next year. My team most improved player for them is Jordan Poole, coming off a really rough rookie season. I think he's going to be better. I think his three-point shot is going to be a lot better, and he's going to be a more efficient player as a whole. I don't expect him to be a great player, and I still don't think that was a good pick, but I expect him to definitely take a, a good enough leap. Uh, my biggest storylines around the season is uh, how much will the Clay Thompson injury hurt? Uh, will that hurt them to uh, almost miss the playoffs? Will they even miss the playoffs? Because this is a talented, talented Western Conference with so many good teams. Uh, and so how much will that injury hurt? How good is James Wiseman? Is he ready to come in and truly be a full-time starting center and guard some of the better bigs in the league? Because there's a lot of good bigs in this Western Conference. So he's going to be asked to do a lot. He's going to be asked to guard a DeAndre Ayton, uh, Chris Tapsprazingis, Anthony Davis, Nikola Jokic. Uh, there's so many good bigs at the top of the Western Conference, so he's going to be asked to do a lot, and I'm just wondering how good is he going to be. And then do they have enough enough depth? When I was talking about that bench, it's it's a little scary that you're going to be expecting a guy like Kent Bazemore, Jordan Poole, Brad Wanamaker, Damian Lee to play some pretty solid minutes. That definitely scares me. My expectations for them is to be a top five seed, uh, top five to eight seed, and to be a first or second round exit. I just think without Clay Thompson, even though Steph Curry is going to be in for a great season and they have some solid enough pieces around him, I just don't think this roster is good enough to compete with the with Lakers, with the Nuggets, uh, with even with the Dallas Mavericks, or maybe even with a Phoenix Suns type of team. Uh, there's just a lot of really good teams in this Western Conference, and it's tough for the Golden State Warriors. Now getting into some NFL Week 14. First game I want to talk about is Saints versus Eagles one of the biggest shockers of the entire season, to be totally honest. Uh, the Eagles were able to pull off the narrow 24-21 win. Jalen Hurts was pretty solid in this one, to be honest, uh, with a really, really good uh, Saints defense that has playing, been playing some excellent football so far this year. He completed 17 of 30 passes. Uh, passed for 167 yards and a touchdown. Jalen Hurts also ran for 106 yards, which is really nice. He was rolling out of the pocket a ton, uh, rushed 18 times. They were able to run some read option, uh, run some like uh, 
designed QB runs. He just added a lot more versatility than Carson Wentz did to this offense. And then he just makes a lot smarter decisions. Like the ceiling with Carson Wentz is a lot higher because he has so much natural talent. But uh, Jalen Hurts is... Uh, was just a lot smarter of a quarterback and made more uh, safe plays, and it worked out for them. Miles Sanders had 14 carries for 115 yards and two touchdowns, capped off by that massive 82-yard run for a touchdown for him. Uh, That was a a really exciting moment for him to get that big touchdown. Uh, Jalen Rager had two receptions for 46 yards, also had a run for 19. And then Alshon Jeffrey had that touchdown. Definitely thought that was... Uh, pass interference uh, on offense, but I mean, he still got the touchdown, and that's all that matters at the end of the day. Uh, uh, Jalen Hurts did fumble, and they lost that fumble, which hurt, but they also were able to force their own fumble and recover that as well. Uh, Duke Riley got an interception. Uh, Josh Sweat got two sacks. Uh, Javon Hargrave got two sacks. Fletcher Cox had one. They did a really good job of getting after the quarterback. Uh, and overall, as a team, they just played pretty, pretty solid. Uh, the coaching was definitely better. They called some better plays. Still wasn't perfect by any means, as uh, I just don't think that their coaching staff is very good anymore. Uh, but they played very, very well in this one and beat a really good Saints team. Uh, Taysom Hill had an interception, but did pass for 291 yards. Uh, and two touchdowns completed, 28 of 38 passes. He's been a solid enough replacement for Drew Brees. Obviously, they need Drew Brees back if they want to make any type of serious playoff run. Uh, but Taysom Hill's been decent enough. Alvin Kamara had 11 carries for 50 yards and a touchdown. Would have loved to see him get a little bit more vo- involved on the ground, but he still had a good game. Michael Thomas had five reception, uh, eight receptions for 84 yards. He's been so consistently uh, good ever since he's come back from injury, and you just see the impact of him so much. Emmanuel Sanders had 48 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Alvin Kamara also got involved in the receiving game, as he always does, had 44 yards. Uh, Jared Cook had a touchdown as well. He's been consistently very, very good for them uh, the entire year. Taysom Hill did have a fumble, which they lost. Uh, And then their defense didn't play great by any means. They really didn't get much pressure uh, on the quarterback at all. Uh, uh, It was pretty disappointing how they played after being so, so good uh, the uh, the entire year. And they honestly got shredded up in the first half especially uh, by this Eagles offense. The Eagles scored 17 points in the second quarter, uh, and it was definitely a very, very weird game. It was was just so odd to see such a good team go down like that. Uh, uh, They just were really disappointing. I'm excited to see when Drew Brees comes back. Uh, That's definitely going to be really, really interesting to see how that works out. Uh, because they have been playing solid under Taysom Hill. Like other than this game, they've been playing some pretty good football, uh, and I'm interested to see if they can be legitimate contenders and be a Super Bowl team, or if maybe a game like this exposed some of their weaknesses. I just think it was one of those weird games where you're heavily favored against a worse team, you're on a roll, and then you lose. Games like that happen in the NFL quite a lot. So I'm not super worried about the Saints. I'm more just impressed with Jalen Hurts and how the Eagles offense ran as a whole uh, under him. He played some pretty good football and was really, really impressive in this one. Next, I want to talk about Dolphins versus Chiefs. This was a really exciting game. Uh, Patrick Mahomes definitely struggled a lot in this one, which was super weird to see. Uh, His 
This was one of his worst games in a long, long while. He's been so consistently good for them the entire year. Like, uh, he's been great. But he struggled in this one through some interceptions. Some of those weren't exactly all his fault. Uh, but some of those definitely were his fault, and it it was it's just always so weird to see uh, to see him struggle like that because you just always expect greatness out of him. But three interceptions still did make some big plays. Completed twenty four of his thirty four passes for almost four hundred yards and two touchdowns, and came up in uh, timely moments when it mattered. Uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Got 16 carries, but really didn't do anything with those carries. Only ran for 32 yards. Uh, Tyreek Hill had a big 32-yard run that led to a touchdown. Travis Kelsey continues his dominant year. Looks like he's going to have the most receiving yards uh, for a tight end in NFL history. Retake that spot from uh, George Kittle. He had 136 yards and a touchdown. Tyreek Hill had uh, 79 receiving yards and a touchdown. He's been so electric all year and is really making his case for being the best receiver in the in the league. He's been so impressive. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, while his running game wasn't good, did get involved in the passing game pretty well. I uh, had 59 yards. Sammy Watkins had 52. McCole Hardman had 40. They spread the wealth pretty well uh, and played pretty solid. Got after the quarterback a little bit on defense. Uh, got some sacks in timely moments. Got a big interception as well. Uh, just played some pretty solid defense as a whole. And other than the uh, fourth quarter where the Dolphins stepped up and scored 17 points, honestly, the Chiefs played some great defense. Really caused Tua to struggle. Uh, and I'm not going to blame it on Tua a lot. Like, I heard, I saw some people criticizing Tua uh, for that, but. Uh, he was missing so many big big players. He was playing with uh, backups and practice squad receivers. So I don't know why people were expecting the Dolphins to really compete against such a great team of the Chiefs. I mean, especially when uh, McCole Hardman is getting like a punt return touchdown. How do you expect uh, Tua Tagovailoa as a rookie to win with such uh, poor circumstances for him. He completed 28 of 48 passes, 360, uh, 316 yards and two touchdowns. Running game really couldn't get going, but he also had a touchdown on the ground. Uh, Mike Kosicki was great in this one, had two receiving touchdowns and 65 receiving yards. And he was thrown to a lot of these backups, like Lynn Bowden Jr. had 82 yards. Matt Collins had 66 yards. They were just dealing with so many injuries and a lot of people were out. Jerome Baker had a hell of a game, two and a half sacks. Eric Rowe had an interception. Byron Jones had an interception. And Xavier Howard had an interception. That interception was insane. One of the uh, best plays of the night. That was really exciting to see. Uh, and honestly, they didn't play too bad. Again, you got to consider the circumstances. They played uh, pretty solid considering uh, those. But the Chiefs are just a better team at the end of the day. So uh, I don't know what else you expect except for the Chiefs to uh, win the game. They're just such a good team who uh, is probably going to repeat uh, as Super Bowl champions. Uh, and I'm excited to see what happens in the future for uh, the Dolphins. I think they have a lot of potential. I think Tua is really, really good, and they have such a good culture, such great coaching, uh, and a pretty solid team around them. So I don't think this is their year, but I think in the future they could be a really, really nice team and a dangerous team uh, for many, many years to come. Now talking about Colts versus Raiders. I am very, very concerned, and I think 
I think it's over for the Raiders. They had some really exciting moments, uh, beat the Chiefs, competed super well in another game, but they have been struggling these past couple weeks. But should have lost to the Jets if it wasn't for some just stupid coverage where, honestly, it looked like they were just tanking. They were trying to lose that game because they know the Jaguars suck too. They should have lost that game, which, oh my God, losing to the Jets is just yikes. Uh, and then they lost this game pretty bad. It was a close game for a while, but the Colts really pulled away at the end. Uh, and the Raiders just struggled a ton, threw some interceptions, fumbled, uh, and then could not stop the Colts on offense. Their car had 316 yards, two touchdowns, but also two interceptions. Josh Jacobs was decent in this one, but wasn't great. Uh, averaged uh, 3.8 yards per carry. Their car had a rushing touchdown in there. Nelson Aguilar continues his great season with 100 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Foster Moreau had a big 47-yard touchdown. Darren Waller, like all, like the entire year, has been great. Seven receptions for 75 yards. Would still love to see Henry Ruggs get involved more because he seems like he's been a decoy just so often for them. Only had three receptions for 18 yards. Hunter Raffro had a fumble. That was a big fumble that hurt them quite a lot. And then their defense really didn't get any pressure on the quarterback, which is what you need to do against Phillip Rivers. Because if you're pressuring Phillip Rivers and forcing him uh, to make plays, he's going to throw interceptions. Like, it's it's Phillip Rivers. That's just what he does. So you got to get more pressure on the uh, quarterback and really force him to make plays because he's not mobile at all. He can't move. So you got to do better than that. And their defense definitely got exposed in this one. And that's been a big uh, issue for them all year. Their offense has been so explosive, but their defense just hasn't been it. And they got ran all over in this one. Jonathan Taylor had a hell of a game. 150 yards and two touchdowns. Even Naeem Hodges uh, had seven carries for 58 yards. Average 8.3 on the ground. Uh, Phillip Rivers had 19 completions uh, on 28 attempts for 244 yards and two touchdowns. T.Y. Hilton had his first big game in a while as he's kind of been struggling uh, a lot of the year. Had 86 yards and two touchdowns. Jack Doyle had a solid game. Michael Pittman uh, continues his pretty solid rookie season, had 42 yards. Uh, and then their defense stepped up in key moments, forced uh, the, the big fumble, uh, got some interceptions. Uh, one was returned 50 yards. Like They played some very, very solid football. Uh, I loved what I saw from the Colts in this game. Yeah, that, that Titans loss definitely hurt them a ton when they got ran all over by Derrick Henry. That was an ugly one for them. But other than that, they've been impressing me a lot, especially as of late. Uh, and they're a team that, even though Derrick Carr always is going to terrify me, uh, I'm not Derrick Carr, Phillip Rivers is always going to terrify me with uh, the interceptions that he throws. Uh, he is uh, playing some decent football. And then they have such a well-rounded team around him with a really good defense. And I think their coaching is really good as well. So I've been impressed by the Colts. And they're playing some very, very solid football. Last game we're going to talk about is Steelers versus Bills. The Steelers you lose yet another game. 
Uh, and the Cleveland Browns are honestly inching closer and closer to being uh, competitive with the Steelers for this division, which is uh, pretty crazy, especially considering how hot the Steelers started. But they've, they haven't looked great in these past couple games by any means. They lost a football team. Uh, and football team is a pretty solid team, but definitely sh- should not be beating a team like the Steelers. And the Bills are another very solid team, but the Steelers, this was a big prove-it game for them. So it was definitely scary uh, to see them lose this one. They uh, they gave up a huge third quarter to the Bills where they scored 14 points. That was definitely a big L for them. Josh Allen had uh, 24 completions on 43 attempts, uh, 238 yards, two touchdowns. Did have an interception in there, but was still uh, pretty solid this game. Continues his really good year. He's been great this year. Uh, the running game wasn't great. It's definitely been a big issue with this team and is one of the reasons, like, I don't believe in the Bills fully to be a champ uh, Super Bowl team just because their running game isn't great. But other than that, their offense was clicking pretty well. Stephon Diggs continues his crazy season. And though, I mean, they gave up Justin Jefferson, Stephon Diggs is still a beast and is a top 10 receiver in this league and continues an amazing season uh, for the Bills. He had 130 yards and a touchdown on uh, 10 receptions. He was just excellent in this one. Cole Beasley, 41 yards. Uh, Gabriel Davis had a touchdown as well. Uh, They fumbled three times, losing one of those. That definitely hurt. Uh, Got two interceptions, which was big. Uh, Teron Johnson had an interception, as well as Levi Wallace. Uh, Got after the quarterback a little bit. Didn't do uh, a great job of getting after him. But their defense played some pretty solid football. And honestly, in a weird turn of events, that's been the biggest uh, issue for them all year is their defense, even though it was so great last year been a bit of an issue this year but they stepped up at key moments and continuously caused the Pittsburgh Steelers offense to stall like Ben Roethlisberger only threw for 187 yards had two touchdowns but also two interceptions they clamped down the running game James Conner on 10 carries only had 18 yards they forced them to punt multiple times Uh, Jordan Berry punted eight times in this one like Their defense stepped up big time and made so many key plays. Uh, Juju had 55 yards and a touchdown. James Washington had a touchdown as well. But their their passing game just wasn't great at all in this one. And and neither was the rushing game. As a whole, the Pittsburgh Steelers offense really, really struggled. And they're still a good team. But I'm I'm starting to get worried about them because these are two ugly losses in a row. And this is not the momentum you want at all going into the end of the season. Uh, these are have been some big losses for the Steelers. Uh, and it was a big win for the Bills for sure. Definitely a big prove-it game uh, for them. They're 10-3 now, performing like one of the best teams in all of the NFL. And I've been really impressed with how, they're, how they've been playing all year. And I'm starting to get definitely worried about the Steelers team. That has been the episode of the Under Pressure Podcast. I hope you enjoyed. It's been Michael. Peace out.